evening, Patriots. And it is Friday, November 11th, the end of 22-11-11, which seemed to have some of those people that believe in witchcraft all wigged out, but that's okay. They'll get over it. But tonight we're going to have a really special night. We've got just a few minutes here. We're going to have Pastor Brad Cummings live. He's going to be dialing in. And uh, we're going to have a great chat about who knows what. If you know how he and I are, we're kind of like all over the place. And we are ready to take it on again tonight. So before we begin, make sure you've got a really good plan for your home. You've got your self-defense plan in place. And when those people come in trying to knock in your door, you got to be ready to show no mercy. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. All right, Patriots, that's itargetpro.com. Get on over there and use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S. You're all good. Hey, before we begin, I just want to play a very sad story. It comes from the Babylon Bee. <laughs> it's for those of us that are, are just so sad for the liberals. Oh, can we say. Did you know that every minute, up to 56 million liberals lose their blue checks on Twitter? And because they are unable or unwilling to pay $8 per month, they're without a blue check. You see, 3,000 liberals were rescued last year from losing their blue checks. But patriots, remember, there were others that helped came too late. And this is the story of those 56 million and those 3,000 and those cheap scumbags that don't want to pick out $8 a month for their blue check. Hi. I'm Farrah McGrendelson. Will you be an angel for a helpless lib? Every day, innocent libs are ratioed, flamed, and even neglected. For just $8 a month, you can sponsor a liberal, providing them with a blue check, and more importantly, with hope. That's about the cost of one white chocolate low whip almond milk latte light froth, or one gallon of gas. Call now. Your donation will provide identity verification all the benefits of Twitter Blue, and a newfound sense of self-worth to a poor, needy lib. Plus, you'll receive a photo and regular updates from your sponsored lib. Everyone knows the only people worth listening to are blue checks. Don't let a lib become an absolute waste of a human being. Browse our database of needy libs today. Please act now, because due to inflation, $8 will soon be worth $4. And then you'll have to pay. $16. Right now, there's a lib who's in need, and you can help. Don't wait. Every minute, more libs fade into obscurity, and even though they are definitively rich enough to pay it for themselves, their liberal worldview dictates that 
you should be the one to shoulder the burden. It's the compassionate thing to do. I want it. I want it. It's okay. Elon Musk can't get you here. You're going to stay verified. Look at what you're doing to her, Elon. Oh, yeah. My heart just bleeds. What can I say? The liberal class, it's almost criminal how easy it is to troll. I'm telling you right now. Well, Patriots, without further ado, I, we're actually going to talk about forgiveness tonight. I probably need a whole bunch after that one. <laughs> Pastor Brad Cummings, are you on? I am. I don't have a blue check. Oh, my goodness. I don't even I don't even tweet. Oh my goodness. I probably need to I need to probably need to repent after that one. That was so good. I it's just too much. The entitled class, I'll tell you right now. How are you? I am very good, sir. Hands- I, I I have a day of, of of tractor plowing all planned tomorrow. That's fantastic. And you have a tractor, I hope. I have a tractor and, and I'm gonna plow it and I'll think of how to get a liberal blue check. <laughs> Consider donating the $8. Well, <laughs> Patriots, I was going to tell you, as I've told you many times, and uh, Brad and I are great friends, and, and and it's a really blessing to have a friend like this in, in my life. I speak that openly. Uh, and he, he and I have been talking for probably a couple weeks now on this whole topic of forgiveness, of justice, of accountability, and of love. And they're really kind of a four pillars thing that we've gone over and there's been some heavy conversations and there's been some other conversations. And tonight we're just going to have some fun having this conversation. Enjoy it because it's really the Holy Spirit anyway. And the last time I checked, the Holy Spirit is not a depressing force. (laughs) No, you know, if we really, I I don't think God has any depressed days. I think you're right. That's it right there. And, and yeah. I think one of the best understandings of depression that someone helped me understand was um, it's anger turned inward. Oh, that's good. And it's so hard because it's like, you know, when I was a lot younger, I was, I was a very angry man because I, it's like, I, I got my unfair dose of unfairness. If I, if I, (laughs) if I might rightly say so. (laughs) And so I and I had a hard time. I had a big justice meter, and it's like mine was pegged, and I was pissed. And uh, it's like I got confronted by the Lord on on a number of different elements. One of them was he says like, "Hey Brad, like when are you ever gonna forgive?" And I I mean when 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 God says it that way, and He puts the emphasis on ever, I thought it was a really good Christian guy. <laughs> And And I'm going like, did you have to say it like that? It's like that's somewhat offensive. (laughs) And and I sat there, can I and it's like, I mean, how do you respond to that? You just go like, well, if you said it like that, that means I haven't. And so I kind of think that that means I don't know how. Well said. Because it's like it's like it's like I thought I did. I mean, I thought, but it's like. God really wants it from the heart, not just from the gritting of your teeth. It can start there. I mean, because, you know, like when when we face injustice, I don't know a single person on the planet says, oh, yes, can I have some more of that, please? I mean, nobody, <laughs> nobody's asking for that. 
No. And and all of us have our sense of what right and wrong is, even if it's even if it's miscalibrated. We all have a sense of it. And when it gets violated, that's really hard. I don't think anybody finds this, you know, easy. So I don't want to pretend like, oh, just forgive. It's like, no, it's like super hard to do it from the heart. But if I've learned anything, I kind of do I, I kind of do forgiveness out of sort of like self-preservation. To be honest, it's like if if the measure I use is going to be measured unto me, then the truth is, is I'm kind of aware of my need of forgiveness. You know, maybe there's some folks out there that are get like super awesome behavior all the time, never sin. As for me, I kind of am aware that I, I need some forgiveness pretty often. And if the measure I use gets, you know, measured unto me, I I really have tipped my scale towards mercy. And I realize in situations, it's like if God says, you know, if you don't forgive, and this is out of like Mark 11, 25 to 26, just if people want an address to, to, to just sort of look at, if we don't forgive, our Father in heaven will not forgive us. I don't want to experience that. I'm just, I mean, just self-preservation. <laughs> I do not want to be in the spot where it says, well, Brad, I would have, but you wouldn't. And I'm going like, oh, so shoot. <laughs> uh, so if I want forgiveness, I cannot withhold it. And and so I've, I got to start there. But when God says, Brad, when are you ever going to forgive? I already knew that other verse. And I'm going like, well, I kind of thought I had. Right. And he he gave me a picture of a whole bunch of people in prison. And they were in my heart. And I'm going like, dang. But I looked at some of them. I went, they deserve to be in there, Lord. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's a whole bunch just, of those. You know, just, just being honest, Lord, you know that that guy should be in there. It's like, you remember what he did? <laughs> and and the Lord just handed me a key. And I knew I had the capacity to put the put it in the lock. And I'm, I'm kind of a visual guy, so I think that was a very kind thing because I was getting all stuck in, in, in words. And he just... It's like I knew I had the capacity to put the key in the lock and I could twist it. And 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 that that for me is where forgiveness began. And I just kind of went, you know what God, I don't know how all of this works. I don't have the words. I don't think I have the maturity, but I do have the want to do what's right inside. And he he enabled me by just that picture starting there. And then I asked him, I said, God, because I think you do want it from the heart, please help me. And and, and that's, that, that began the journey of understanding that forgiveness isn't saying what any one of those people did was ever okay. It's just turning the situation over to the one righteous judge who knows all the facts of the case and will adjudicate it properly. I think that's where. And that's not, that's not me. Right, and and that's a really important point because right in that place is where we have this whole issue of trust. So we really have to trust in God to understand that there is a much bigger play when we turn it over to him and what that justice looks like. 
Otherwise, we are constantly fighting and saying, we're, we're literally saying this when we're not wanting to forgive. We're saying that I don't trust you. I, it's like, I, I can't forgive. And he's like, you have to forgive. It's yeah, but I can't forgive because those people didn't do the me right. And he's like, okay, then how can I, how can I adjudicate? How can I forgive you too? And we're not trusting in his process. And I kind of, you know, it's like when you're dealing with something that's really unjust with this is put significant, you know, consequences to what someone else did wrong, like a death, you know, harm, permanent harm, all that kind of stuff, whether it's little or lot, it doesn't matter because all of us get stuck in those places. When we hold on to unforgiveness, two things happen. We get in the way of real justice being done because we're interfering in that space. We're saying, I'm going to be the judge. And I say, no, God's actually given us keys to the kingdom, which is why I think he gave me a key. And whatever I bind, on earth will also be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose is going to be loosed. And so there, there's the, the, what I do with my dominion here on earth has an effect in the heavenly realm. And we're supposed to pray for God's will to be done the way it is in heaven and let it be manifest here on earth. And so when I retain someone else's sins in a very real way, their life is impaired because I'm holding on to them. And now God has more than just that person to deal with. He now has to deal with me. And he's going to be a righteous judge. He's not going to say, well, you know, Brad's one of my favorites, so I'll make an excuse for him. No, he's going to be a righteous judge. And so when I hold on to unforgiveness, I'm inserting myself as an additional problem and an an obstruction for God to bring resolution and justice to that situation. I don't think we understand that when, when we do that. The other thing is even worse is when I, when I choose to hold on in, in unforgiveness, I now open myself up to the enemy. He has a ground to attack me. And it's like, you know what? I don't need that either. So I, I've, I've got a bunch of personal valid reasons for why I choose to forgive and turn the situation over to the righteous judge because one, I want to be forgiven. Two, I don't want to interfere with actual justice being done. And three, I don't want to open myself up to the tormentors. That's well said. Very well said. You know, one of the things about the key piece you brought up, and it's interesting because it's as if we're, it reminds me of, a, of an episode in Star Trek years ago, and it was in one of the movies. And Kirk is being confronted with having to let go of his pain, and he's screaming. It's like, I'm not going to let go of my pain. It defines me. You know, and it's like that's part of who we are, what we become, I should say. Our pain, our anger, it becomes that easy crutch that defines us. And we think that if we let it, don't let it go, that we, we lose who we are, not realizing that we're actually freeing ourselves completely. See, I, that, uh, that's, that's, a, that's really well said and that's really important to grasp because I think when we hold on to that unforgiveness, I'm, I'm locking myself in with my, um, with my antagonizer, with, with, the, with the guy that, that did me wrong. And I'm allowing that situation to continue to do its work on me. And it's like, 
out of my own self-preservation, I'm going like, I don't want to keep getting beaten up by this. I don't want to keep rehearsing all of my wounds and hurts and letting them just get infected. And it's like, so, you know, I think that the biggest challenge is if I don't know God very well, it's really hard to trust him. Yep. You know, we can we can pretend in a religious way, well, you know, his character demands that I try. Well, it's like, yeah, but the truth is, if you don't know him personally and intimately for yourself, then it really is hard to trust him. And I, I don't I don't ding anybody for that. I just go like, you might just ask him to help you. You know, I, I think trust is not just so much something that God commands us. I think it's something he wins us to. Well, that's well said. And 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 that's been a I had a buddy that helped me a while back. He just said, Hey, why don't you ask God to win you to that? And I went, That's a valid prayer. I didn't know you could pray it that way. <laughs> so now, I, that's something I want to jump on because there there is a lot of structure that we put on ourselves on what prayer should be and shouldn't be. We do this a lot. And yeah. we and we don't open ourselves up to just exploring that range of what prayer is and the fact that that's part of a conversation we're having with him. And so I, I just kind of dig into that a little bit because what you just said is so dead on is you didn't know that you could pr- put that in a prayer or pray that way or pray for that. Yeah. I mean, I sort of figured I always heard, you know, prayer is a demand and I felt like I sucked at it. I mean, I, or, or prayer and trust, you know, trust is kind of like, you know, asking someone to be 12 feet tall. Great if you are, but if you're not, it seems like it's impossible. And when I when I don't trust, it's because I'm not convinced that that person has my best interest at heart and will take care of me. And I think a lot of us have disappointments and wounds that we actually have with God. And if, if we're honest, we're disappointed in him because the thing I really wanted didn't happen. And we don't understand what to do about it. And because we're not supposed to be angry at God, because, of course, he didn't do anything wrong, then we get depressed because we just submarine our anger and we and we don't know how to resolve it. And so and then because I, I don't like him, I don't really spend time with him. And so I'm kind of stuck in my unresolved situation. And I'm going like, I think God is big enough for me to go have a nice little argument with him. And to be bold enough to just say, hey, I don't understand this. I, you know, I, I had this moment with God one time. I said, God, your Bible says that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Excuse me, my life experience, I don't think that's true. I feel left. I feel forsaken. I feel abandoned. I, I, I'm I, kind of going like, I got a, a good dozen moments where I'm really wondering, where the hell were you? And I just, I had a real conversation with him. What was shocking to me is he actually answered. And he replayed those moments for me in my mind. And he showed me where he was. And I'm going like, no flipping way. I did not see you. I didn't know that. I had no idea that you protected me from that, which is why I knew I wasn't making this up because I was mad at him. And I was pretty convinced he wasn't there. And he graciously answered the anger of my heart and showed me that I had had that moment imprinted on me wrong. And what was so fantastic is now I look at those moments, I don't have the same emotions because I now have new information. I felt abandoned and he showed me I wasn't. 
And so for anybody listening, that is, it's like, have the courage to be honest with what you really feel. Don't shoot yourself. Don't, don't pretend like you're supposed to be more developed in this than you are. If you're upset, you're angry, go have a really good conversation and work it out. I fully agree with that. And that's the one thing I've shared on this channel a number of times is that is if there's one thing that I kind of a relationship that I built early on with, with father, it was just like, look, sometimes you're not going to like what I say and it's going to be harsh and it's going to be brutal, but that's who I am to hear me at times and hear me honestly. And I've never been rebuked. It's only gotten better just as I have been honest. Probably has probably tempered me a little bit. <laughs> A little bit, you know, not, not quite as salty, not, not quite as salty, maybe as I once was. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because I think that and it, there's a point in our lives where we think that we need anger and we need to hang on to it as a as a lesson for our as if we're going through a process. I, I personally believe this because I knew where I was at. And, I, and it was a thing of like there is a visceral part of anger. And then there's a part that I, there's a part that I learned that I was telling myself, well, you you haven't finished healing yet. And it's like, that doesn't really add up because literally we can heal instantaneously. Any of the lessons God needs to teach us can happen immediately. That's up to us, though, to be willing to let go. That's my experience. Yeah, well said. Um, I, like I mentioned, I was an angry young man, and it, it felt good, honestly, to be angry. I sort of felt like, well, at least I have some kind of power in my being angry. But it scared my, um, at the time, fiance, you know, who's my wife now. She she was like, woo, she was afraid of my temper. I used to, and it's like, I'm not some like super strong ox, but I was angry enough that I could pick up the front end of my car. Hmm. That's pretty good. I think yet, I think that that would make it to the strongman contest. Or, or Transformers. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, what's wrong with that? And at one point, the Lord finally kind of said, Hey, let's, let's deal with your anger. And I'm going like, okay, let's, let's, let's do that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I'm angry. <laughs> it's like, you know, I can wear it as a badge. Um, and he hit me with this convicting arrow. He said, your anger shows who you serve. Now that's, that's a good one because that's a really mixed bag, right? Oh my gosh. I sat there and I kind of went, Okay. He didn't give me a chapter and verse and I don't have a chapter and verse for it. It just was true. And I sat there going like, if your anger shows who you serve, I thought about all the things that I'm angry and I kind of went, Oh no. Um, very few of these are about the righteous indignation that I feel for the kingdom of God. <laughs> That's most good. of them, most of them are, I didn't get what I wanted. Right. And I kind of went, Okay, ergo, if my anger shows who I serve, then I'm serving myself in most all of this anger. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm on the wrong side of this. And I just went, wow. But I had the presence of mind to say, well, guess what, God? I haven't the foggiest clue what to do. I have had this with me for quite some time. And none of these situations are resolved in a way that I would like 
So I'm angry. I went to bed that night. And what was interesting is I woke up halfway through the night on the other side of the room. And I was experiencing some malevolent force and I was being in the throes of being delivered. The Lord had the presence of mind to start it in my sleep where I wouldn't interfere. And then he woke me up to ask me if he want, if I wanted him to continue. And I would, I mean, I like, what do you mean? I got a demon. And it's like, yes, you do. And I'm going like, Oh, wow. Don't have theology for that. Um, but since I didn't know how I got to the other side of the room and why I'm awake and I'm not, a, I'm not a sleepwalker. I said, well, Lord, you got me here. You know how to finish it. Please do. Good call. And I, I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened other than I woke up several hours later in bed. And when my wife looked at me, she says, you're different. And I was like, yeah, I feel like a thousand pounds lighter. And she says, your face is different. What happened? And I told her what happened that night that, you know, in the middle of it, I was getting, I was getting set free from a demonic spirit of rage. That's how I used to pick up the front end of my car. I called it frustration. The Lord called it rage. And I kind of went, Oh, wow. Um, so I, I have nothing but joy in sharing that because it's like, guess what? God really freed me. That was my first ever experience of deliverance. And it's been the recipient of God's freeing hand. But it began with his confronting me, convicting me, and me owning it. And without having the knowledge of how to get from A to free, he did that. And it's like, wow, thank you, Father. You released me from my tormentor. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We have a real challenge right now, I think, in our culture. And that is that we are faced with high levels of rage and anger based on the current situation. We've got, obviously, the vax and those people that have delivered that mechanism. And we have yeah. an injustice with this election. It's happening everywhere. And there's no justice. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I mean, this is this is a clown show we're watching, and there there really is no justice in this land at this point in time. So there is a there is a difficulty in channeling where and trusting and understanding what justice is, and then there is this line of understanding that of believing that forgiveness isn't excusing the crime, right? And and this is a, a problem, and so there is a disempowerment that has been very strategically put in play here because our courts are all rigged. And so they're taking away the justice on the earth, which is what people want to see. And that gives a crutch for anger, quite frankly, and a, and a housing for anger and then yeah. anger. And then I think what we tend to do with that is we go further, because I think what we tend to do on top of that is not being able to identify what to do with the anger. We then convert the title and we call it righteous indignation. Yes. That gives us permission to have to, to stay. And, then, and then we just glom onto it and hang onto it and don't let it go. So what are your thoughts? That's a pretty, that's not even a question. It's just a setup for well, a discussion. So here, go ahead. Here, 
here's the really awesome thing about this thing called the Bible. There's very <laughs> little under the sun that, that it doesn't address. I'm yeah. serious. Yeah, I know. It's good. Luke 18. People should write that down and then you can go read it. Luke 18, the parable of the widow and the unrighteous judge. It talks about a judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't respect men. Well, we got a bunch of the, of those. So this this is this is appropriate. That that'd be the Seventh Circuit Court. <laughs> I mean, I could name a whole bunch of jurisdictions where that guy works. Okay, <laughs> being the supreme one too, because you're just going like there is not justice. And so I think for a lot of people, they are they are rightly frustrated, enraged, stymied, and stuck because it does not appear like we have an uncaptured government agency that will do its job of ensuring justice and dealing with criminal wrongdoing, theft, theft of elections. I mean, it's like you'd have to be like brain dead to not look at the data and realize this is being stolen again. And so in this, in what's interesting in this is Jesus told this parable for this reason. He was telling them the parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. So when I encounter injustice, I do get something I get to do. I can pray. Now, here's the problem. Most people's experience of prayer is the one and done. And it's the more the Christmas list is I kind of give God the things that I wish he'd, he'd do. And it's like, wait a minute, prayer's a different animal than that. And I, I need at times in a situation that's adverse to the kingdom, I need to contend with an enemy in a place of prayer. And I need to posture myself as resolute, meaning I'm not leaving this place until the kingdom is manifest here, and I'm going to stay the course. I think most of us don't posture ourselves like that. This little old widow woman, she's arguably the weakest person in all of society. She's lowest on the totem pole. She's out of resources, and she's contending with an unrighteous judge who has no desire to rule in her favor. And yet in the actual uh, language, it says she's so persistent, she's ready to give this judge a black eye. I wonder what gives anyone the chutzpah in a situation like that of injustice where they can focus their frustration righteously in demanding justice. She's contending in an earthly structure. She's not, she's not having to go after an unreluctant, you know, a reluctant God. She's contending with an unrighteous system of men. And she's resolute and she will not leave until she prevails. And she actually prevails over the guy and he finally relents and gives her justice. I wonder if we've taken our frustrations and focused them like that with an appeal to heaven and a focus on the enemy that just says, I'm not quitting. And I think the enemy knows, and I think we know whether we mean it or not. Well, I think there's, with this, there's another piece. And I, I find this a lot when people talk about anger 
and talk about what they want to do. They put an eye in God. And this is, to me, a massive error. Because you said it just a minute ago, and it's, it's, and I'm going to extend from what you said. There is a trust in kingdom that people place, a trust in Father God, the manifestation of kingdom here, that when we uh-huh. do that, it is God's timing. So I can take three events that we know of well, Gideon, who ends up following as God guides him to do and reduces his thousands down to 300. We right. can take Joshua, who literally follows as God guides him to do after walking seven days and then on the seventh day doing it seven times. And then when the walls fall, I think we read that story. It's like, oh, he decides to pull out his sword. God leads him to pull out his sword and his men and slay every man, woman, child, and donkey in there. That's not a human act. That's a, hum- that's a God-guided act. And then David's the same way. David stands through there to him. And it is literally, as I read David, it's not even, it's literally the Holy Spirit walking right through David, talking right to Goliath. And David is the instrument of the, of the justice that happens. Yeah. So and the problem we tend to do is we, we humanize all of these events because we, in this time, are so detached from Father God. We are so separated from the kingdom of heaven. We're walking in this world and we're talking like, I'm going to bring justice. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's like, cool. But here's a couple questions I have that might be relevant. One, are you walking with vengeance in your heart? Because you have to have a forgiving heart. And two, is God leading you for those, for those acts of justice the way you're saying they're going to be? And are you giving room for him to work through you? Those are great questions because I think the truth is, is we do set up roadblocks on our own prayer. Paul, Paul, Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.8, he says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And why are they lifting up holy hands? He, that's in the place of prayer. And, I, and, and, and the two barometers that, that tell me that my prayer is going to leave my mouth and make it to heaven is if I can lift up one hand and I have dealt with my wrath. That, that's that's my unforgiveness stuff. If I if I withhold you know unforgiveness in my heart and I'm trying to bring a sacrifice to God, God God's word clearly says, leave your sacrifice there, go set it right with your brother, then come back. Because he's really not interested in my little religious sacrifice so long as I'm harboring anger, wrath, and unrighteousness in my heart. And it's like get right with your with who you're 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 wroth with. And then the without doubting, it's like, that's when James says, you know, any man who comes to God needs to know that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that, that diligently, not the one and done, diligently seek him. And that he is going to give generously to all who ask. You know, if, I, if I'm needing wisdom, he's going to answer that. But I've got to stay persistent in that place of being able to receive and connect with him. And I think a lot of us just leave way too quick. And so when Paul is saying, I want you to, without wrath and without doubting, those are two things I need to deal with as I come to the place of prayer. And if I need God's help, he'll help me with those. But I do have to deal with those. Then if I have, then my prayers will probably hit the mark and be far more effectual because I'm not tripping them up. 
This is a yeah, this is these are difficult concepts in a time when we have so much damage that has been done. And it's you know, and this again, like you said, and I, I've said this a number of times, it is normal to be angry and frustrated right now. Absolutely. I mean, and we, we if have, you're not, something's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> there. That's well said. You're not seeing it correctly. Right. The, the thing is, you know, it's, it's great because today I talked to one of my, my buddies from Special Forces and Delta and literally put these questions to him. And, and, and it was like, okay, I want to hear from your point of view as an operator who has kicked in doors and done the deed right there and, and, and taken them out. That's, that's your, that was in your operation. Tell me about the presence of mind and the state of your heart as you're doing these. And it's the same thing. It's like, these are missions. You cannot have vengeance in your heart. You have to have a clean heart going into this. It has to be pure because you have to be able to see clearly. If you're running with rage, if you're running, that's the, and honestly, this is the. Then it's murder, not the sword of justice. Correct. Because they're the deliverers of justice. They're not the deliverers. You're going to hear all the euphemisms of like, you know, vengeance and all this stuff. But in truth, when they operate. And I know this from working with them. It is a, it's a clear path to where the team relies on everybody having a clear head. Vengeance, extreme anger, without righteousness that they work with. If you don't have righteousness and you're working with anger, it blinds you. Yeah. So I'll give you a real story of just accountability on this. This is just a good, good friend of mine, one of the legends in the Delta community, was actually doing an operation, and they were, they were in Iraq. And as he... And understand this, there is a thing called an ND, not a, uh, which is a negligent discharge. And in Delta, if you have a negligent discharge, meaning it was accidental, you're immediately suspended from the team. And that, yeah. that suspension can be, and that's one error. Okay, this is the type of world that we're talking about here in, in a special operations. One ND, you're immediately suspended from the team. And that suspension could be permanent. But at the very least, it's going to be you're going to have to go through remedial training, like extensive time on the range to work out the problem. Okay, so here's you're dealing with extreme accountability on this whole thing and this story. And it's really amazing to kind of give you the ethics of how this works. This person was on point. They're coming into the room. They made a turn to go upstairs and a guy came rushing downstairs. And this my buddy drew and shot and killed the guy coming at him. When he got back, the team complimented him on like the like, team members were like, dude, that was one of the best shots we've ever seen you make. And he says, I'm putting myself on suspension. And they said, what are you talking about? He said, this is why I reacted and I didn't see the target. I just spontaneously shot, drew and shot. He said, that's not how we do things. It could, wow. have, been, it could have been somebody else coming down that stairs. Wow. And literally put himself on personal suspension. See, we don't live in that level of accountability. And if we did, these issues of forgiveness, these issues of having a, an unburdened heart, these ideas of getting vengeance out of our heart would be very simple if our life lived in that level of accountability. Yeah. I mean, if, if we understood the demonic realm and the biggest entrance of the enemy's attack in my life is called the doorway of unforgiveness. The incentive to hold on to, you know, someone else's sins. It, for me, it just goes right out the door. I have dealt with so many deliverance moments 
where the primary thing that allowed this person's life to be infiltrated and attacked was the unforgiveness that they were holding on to. So for me, I've got a great experience under my life that just says, this is not helpful to you. And so it's, you know, so it's the one thing I've taught all of my kids to just go like, hey, we don't go to bed angry. And, and why? Well, because the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Why? So as to not give the devil a foothold, yeah, a, a topos, a place, a place to stand. And it's like, I don't want the devil. It's like it, it, anger is not a sin, but how I deal with it will either be productive or destructive. And, and I've got to figure out how to process those things that bug me. And the, and the best way to do it is to actually have real conversations, not pretend ones, but full-on emotions brought to the surface and say, hey, God, this is what's going on in me. I'm ticked. I'm mad. And what are you mad about? I'm mad about this. And, and, and to say it out loud, bring it to him. I'll guarantee you, God is not going to be absent from that. He's a phenomenal communicator. I don't care if you don't know how to hear he does know how to speak. He will get through to the honest heart. Honestly, yeah. he will get he will get through to you if if you're really coming to him. You think God's going to miss that moment? He's waiting for that. He will be all over that in spades if you'll simply have the courage to be honest about it. I think most of us pretend that we're okay. Yeah, if not. Well, and I just learned to say I'm not pretending anymore. That's stupid. I am going to be, you know, balls to the wall. This is what I feel. I'm mad. I'm ticked. I could be wrong. Please rebuke me. I don't know how well I'll do if you do, but I'll deal with it then. Because I'm not a very good judge of my own heart. I need the Holy Spirit to come in and sort things out. He's great at convicting me. The enemy's nasty in terms of condemning me, but I know when I feel condemned, that's not the Lord. The Lord, the Lord comes in and fingers the things, but he doesn't leave me there. He shows me what to do. That's how I know it's him. Yeah, that's really well said, Brad. I mean, we're at a really interesting point right now. And I, I think that I've told you, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about this. And it's really been on my heart to talk a lot about these issues of the, the forgiveness, the anger, defining anger too, and separating it between anger and righteousness, um, looking at vengeance that corruption of vengeance, and then that place of love, which is extremely powerful. And of course, not the corporal love that we're so, that that love always, that word always conjures in our head. But I think what people are also not, I won't say broadly, but I think a lot of people say it this way, are not realizing is what we kind of, where we started a bit ago, which is that our courts are bankrupt. They are non-functional, which means that the onus for justice is going to be falling on us. And that's coming. I don't know what form it's going to take, but I guarantee that's coming. And as that comes, the question is, what are we going to become? Because this is the crucible for our nation right now. If we're going to let our justice be led by hearts of vengeance, we are going to become worse. Welcome to the French Revolution, baby. Yeah, there, well said. It's it's literally guillotines out and everybody having a bloodbath. And then you have, it goes, it goes on forever. Or we get to this place where we are at a, at a moment where we say, okay, forgiveness is, we're going to give the forgiveness of the heart, but we're going to pursue justice ruthlessly. 
without the vengeance and it's a clean heart. Well, I think, I think the reality is, is when the human system is broken, which ours very clearly is, I mean, we do not have courts of justice anymore. We just have courts. And then the, the spoils go to those who lawyer well and pay lots of money. And it's, it's not right. And it's, it's, it's very rigged and it's, it's not in your favor. It's not in my favor. And nobody's sitting there to make sure that things are done right. It's like people get away with all kinds of stuff and it's very unfair. So what do we do in a moment like that when the human system is broken? Well, I certainly want to be able to have a clean heart that can go into the throne room of God and get the judge, the one righteous judge, to be at work in this situation. Therefore, I don't want to put up a roadblock. And he hasn't given me or you or anybody else as a civilian the sword of justice. Not, not, not yet. At, at, at some point, as this thing devolves and, and falls apart, then there may well be an assignment to do that. But I'm not going to go there quickly, and I'm going to I'm I'm going to only do that when I know that that's clearly directed. As someone says, "Will you?" and you will take up that responsibility, and and to do that, you can't be doing your vengeance thing. No, I mean that that just will completely pervert everything. And I, I do think you know when we look at the world right now and our situation, the thing that God's been impressing upon me is the whole bit of the the forgotten sovereign. That is we the people. Oh, well said. Absolutely. The, 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 the highest authority in the land that's human is we the people in this nation of America. Governments are then established to protect and serve those God-given rights. And we have abandoned our post in mass collectively, not everyone, but in mass, the we the people have forgotten that they are the sovereign. They have a job to do. They're not on the welfare end of the, the government dole. A lot of people are putting themselves there. But, I mean, um, Benjamin Franklin, when the lady said, you know, what kind of government did we get? He said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. We haven't done the keeping part. No, we haven't. And so we don't really get to point fingers and complain because – if you've done your job, then you can look at the guy that hasn't done his. But I don't think the collective we, the people, have done our job. We're supposed to keep the government in check. We're supposed to be that check and balance. When when we first had courts, we were citizen jurors. We didn't, you know, we take jury duty, we throw the trash, and we try to get out of it. They they sat at, in courts, they sat and they were presiding as citizen jurors. They were looking at the proceedings and they were watching the judge. They were watching the lawyers. They were listening to the law. They were weighing the law and they were listening to all the circumstances. And their job was to raise a flag whenever there was something that was out of order. If the judge was out of order, they called a flag on the judge. If the law was wrong, they would change the law so that justice wouldn't be perverted. If a lawyer and it's like, where are those people? We're supposed to be those people. Those were courts of justice. And they basically had, they, they established literacy laws in this land because they said you cannot be effectively a part of this 
if you're not illumined with the light of truth. Therefore, they mandated wherever there are more than 50 homes that they had to establish a public school for the teaching of the Bible. That's what they set up. Not because everyone had to be a Christian, but they said, all of our jurisprudence flows from that book. We need to understand it. We need the light of truth on it. They didn't want to go through the dark ages again where all kinds of mayhem and millions of people were killed because they didn't know the truth. They called it the old deluder Satan law. I mean, it doesn't get more obvious than that. The only way we're going to do this is to righteously understand our foundations and then do our darn job. And that's, that is a, this is not an easy path because we have this expanded and overreaching of federal we have yep. so much of so much of our society has been framed around it, and to try to navigate through it's tough. This is why you know we not you and I have talked extensively about the importance of resetting at the county level with the sheriff, which is the proper authority, and then restructuring this through the will of the people. It has to be like this. This is the only way we're going to get this back, because as we try to reach and worry about the elections of a governor or the elections of of a of a senator or the elections of a president. All of that's like throwing apples like down the street and, and hoping that some kid picks them up and makes a pie. Yeah, I, I was in a I had a two hour conversation with a friend this morning that is intimately involved in the whole um, election process down in Arizona. And the utter perversion of what's happening in Arizona. I mean, it's like, excuse me. If Florida with a hurricane can count their votes and you you really somehow with a far less population can't count yours. And, and, the, and, and the person was like, what do we do? And I said, you know, the, the, the procedures, the law and procedures, the guy who has the most authority than anybody else is the sheriff of your county. Has anyone gone to him and registered their complaint and said, you need to take charge of this election and make sure that it's right? Has anyone done that? No one has done that yet. Someone needs to do that. And, and then it needs to be looked into. He has the right, the jurisdiction. See, because if we act in just rebellion or we just grab our pitchforks and we just ignite our torches, you know, we can do our protests. But the truth is, is. If it's not done appropriately, you don't get heaven's justice as the wind on, on your backside. And it's like there's a right way that's been set up. I, I, I marvel at the founders that they were able to put the things in place that they did because they were really writing out um, some foundational truths because they were tired of all the ways it had been messed up. They really found some great secret sauce, not perfect. But it's it's amazing. And and there is a blueprint for us to follow. You know, we're all bummed because no one seems to follow it. And it's like, well, then as the forgotten sovereign, maybe take your role and stand up and say, excuse me, this still governs. This still rules. And and if after a long list of, of, of grievances and we've addressed them, if after that. They have not complied and not rectified the situation. Then we come to the duty part of the Declaration of Independence. It's a really interesting thing you just said. I'm going to see. I had the Declaration of Independence up, and I just want to read this because it's right there in the first paragraph, which you just said. And it's in the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America when in the course of human events, 
it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. Here it comes. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. It's right yeah. there. It's right. And yeah. that, it, that's biblical, right to the letter. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you interviewed this guy or you met him in Missouri, but th there's a group in California that actually has walked through this process. They've they spent the last year and a half and they have been listing and declaring in front of the Capitol in Sacramento out loud, declaring the grievances. They have been, you know, it's like in in the in the day of Martin Luther when he tacked up his little 90, you know, is his thesis, 95 thesis on the door of the church. Here's the grievances. And it's like it, when you go through the process, they have actually followed the letter of the law in the Constitution, the provisions of being able to say, hey, this is not right. We're calling a foul on the play. We're declaring it publicly. We're making it known. We're filing the briefs. And now we're appealing. And I think they've actually sent something through to Congress. You know, there's a reason we have a West Virginia as opposed to you just a Virginia mm -hmm. is because they went through the process of saying, we're separating from this. We don't agree with what they're doing and we're going to establish and cut out and carve out our own state because we don't want to be bound by the way these guys are doing things. So they went through a process of separation. I think we're here in, in, in our country today where it's like, that's the rightful place of, of, of the next step. It isn't load your gun and, and get your kid on. It is like, wait a minute, there's still a process. Have we identified the grievances that are bringing us to this place? And I know there are places and peoples that have, and they've been doing this. And so, I mean, that to me is the great news is this nation is not entirely asleep. There's many people that do get this. And, and we've got to, we've got to learn to come together and say, not in this county, not in that county. Right. We, we're not going to tolerate this because it's completely wrong. Well, we just had this happen, and we're going to kind of run, start closing this down. But in Oregon, we just passed our, the election being the rigged election that we have up here. They just passed a pretty strict gun ordinance issue here about limited magazines, requirements to get training, a second license through the sheriff, et cetera, et cetera. Just trying to make it nearly impossible to buy and sell guns. To your point, that passed, and it wasn't out more than a few hours, and the Sheriff's Association, two people from the Sheriff's Association spoke up because there's 33 sheriffs in this, nation, in this state that have declared themselves to be constitutional. And two of them have already spoken up and said, there's no way they're enforcing this. It's over. It's done. Bye. So it's wrong. We know it's wrong. There'll be court actions. But if the sheriffs don't enforce it and tell their counties they're not going to enforce it, there's nothing the state can do. And that's the idea that we have to really get. So what are your kind of some last thoughts before we go to prayer? You know, if, if people are struggling with that sense of, gosh, where the heck is justice? I, I think that's normal emotions right now. But I think the reality is, is we call upon the judge, the one righteous judge in heaven, and we that's that's to whom where we make our appeal. 
Um, the parable of that widow and the unrighteous judge. That was all, the whole purpose was Jesus told that saying, when the son of man comes, is he going to find faith on earth like hers? And, and, the, and the promise of it was if we take that posture, God will come and bring justice and he will bring it speedily. And I'm going like, okay, so what are we upset about? If we're upset that we don't see justice, heart check and reality check. Have you postured yourself like that widow woman? And are you beseeching? Are you standing in the situation and saying, "Uh, uh-uh, this is not okay. I am not going away. We're going to see this corrected. And are you appealing to the righteous judge of heaven for all of heaven's help to bring that about? You can't force things on people. You can't make it happen, but we can appeal. And, and I just think we really haven't used the weapons that are available to us, the spiritual ones. And, and that, that's where I would simply commend. We need to posture ourselves there. And the folks that do that well, they don't tend to be the frustrated ones. I think that's well said, Brent. I think that we're 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 we've moved again so far away from that relationship of the power of heaven to enter into this earth that we have now come to the couple things that you know the the end is coming. Prepare. It's going to and, and you know and it's like okay, well, we're a far ways off. Yeah, we've got a long ways to go before that. I agree fully. Well, Brad, as we always do, let's share a prayer, and I'll, if it's okay with you, I'll start and let you finish. Okay, awesome. Father, I just want to thank you again this evening for just another fantastic discussion. It's always a pleasure when Brad and I can have these conversations and share them with so many. And it's a, such a blessing also to have him as a friend and in, in so much as, a, as well as a mentor in so many ways that we, as we steer our ways through a very difficult time in understanding complex issues and difficult issues that are wrapped with emotion while we're trying to separate that in our faith and our love in you. Father, we just ask that, that as people hear this and think on this, to open their hearts and take that discussion to you, to be honest in their hearts, to express their frustrations, to be courageous enough not to just harbor back and wait for the end or whatever they're going to do, but rather to, to be having those engaged discussions with you, no matter whether they're frustrated or happy, anger, angry, whatever that is, to be truthful in their heart to you, to hear as you need us to hear the things to guide us and direct us in these days and weeks ahead. As you have put on my heart and I repeat here, these are this is a crucible moment for us of how we handle faith and how we handle our forgiveness and how we handle anger and righteousness and vengeance and love. And this is a, going to be a defining moment for our nation. So Father, we just ask that you can bring that the resources of, of the kingdom here to let people hear this, learn from it, reach to it, and, and speak to them in whatever ways that the people can hear to open that discussion and dialogue and expand our wisdom in these times. And I say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I, I, I break discouragement off people. The enemy wants to make us quit. He wants to make us give up. He wants us to choose to think that we're powerless. We're not. You're not. God, love is our most powerful weapon. And I ask that you would fill and flood each and every person hearing this, that they would know 
your affection for them, that you would fill them up with a love that can conquer the darkness around the situation, that, that, that would you give us the wisdom and discernment as to where to focus our prayer? God, we, we all probably have a different assignment of sorts. And so would you give us clarity as to the things I'm supposed to put my hand to, the things that I'm supposed to dig in, like that widow woman, and just say, I am resolute and I'm not leaving. I am going to see the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy established here. And God, would you give us the confidence that you will be the righteous judge? God, if anyone is struggling to trust you, would you win them to a place of trust? Will you meet them where they are? And would you open that dialogue that unburdens their heart? God, I, I, I know you're not finished with this nation. I, I thank you that you are showing us all the stuff that's there, that, that you are peeling. The light is shining because we can see a lot of the darkness a lot more clearly than we did a few years back. And Lord, I ask that you would then give us wisdom, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you as to how we can put our hand to the plow that will be effective. And I do ask that your will be done, that your kingdom would come just like it is in heaven and make itself manifest down here on earth. And I thank you for this wonderful army that is finding its place and it's standing on its feet and reporting for duty. And God, I ask that you would bless each and every one of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Brad, we have one of the quick prayer we need to do, and I, I and this news came in late tonight. Um, Duncan's father fell today, and uh, he has a concussion, a broken rib. He's in the hospital, and they're trying to get him out, and we know that's what that's like. Okay. So I'm just going to, if you'd like to join in on that one as well. So, um, yeah. uh, Father, we just want to put our prayers up for Duncan's father, who's obviously in a, in a, difficult state right now. We just want to pray for miraculous healing to literally yep. to res restore his body as it was intended and to uh, cast off any of the pain and, and, and um, burdens that he has to give him that strength right now to literally just stand up and walk out of that hospital and to get there and to, to free himself from the, the bondage of pain and, and whatever has come and to literally heal as only you can bring healing and only the blood of Christ can heal. Say these things in Christ's name. Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in our mortal bodies to quicken us to life. Lord, I, I release that quickening power of the Holy Spirit and Duncan's father. Would you strengthen his body? Uh, repair whatever damage, whatever concussion thing has happened in his fall. Would you put him in sound mind, restored strength, and get him out of the hospital ASAP where he can be cared for and fully recover without that kind of interference? And Lord, we simply put a hedge of protection around him. We ask that you would minister peace to Duncan and, and that you would pave a, a pathway out to full recovery. In Jesus' name. Amen. Brad, once again, a great conversation. Always enjoy it. Always. Love you, my buddy. Love you too, man. Hope you have a very blessed evening. Enjoy the tractor time tomorrow. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm going to go, right. go talk to cows.
Do it. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, man. God bless. We'll talk soon. Okay. Well, Patriots, that was the infamous Brad Cummings, Pastor Brad Cummings, and just such a talented individual. Uh, you know, just to give you that highlight again, he was uh, one of the editors on the Founders Bible. He's a, a biblical scholar extraordinaire. He is also, he was one of the producing people on The Shack, the movie. So um, always a pleasure, and it's just such an honor and a blessing to call him friend and brother. So I will tell you that. That's one of those great gifts God has brought into my life. So, Patriots, I, I hope you enjoyed that. I think this is a very relevant and important conversation to have. We are definitely um, in a time right now that um, we're going to be challenged. There's a lot of challenges ahead for us as we move forward, and we're going to have to come to grips with these very basic fundamentals. This is, this is going to be essential because we're the ones that are resetting this nation. It's not just going to be some magical hand. And it's, we are part and parcel to the process of resetting this nation back to what the founding fathers intended. And to do that, we have to be as wise as them, to be blunt. And God has that wisdom for us. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. And patriots, it's a spiritual war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you Sunday night for Peace Be Still. Also remember, tomorrow night, Brighty on TV show, our TV program will post at 6 p.m. as a podcast. No, no live chat, just as a podcast, in case you missed it on Thursday. So until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something.